What's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pelican Debrief Podcast. Again, thank you guys so much for joining us. Your support means so much. My name is Preston Ellis. I am your host. Follow me at Preston Ellis. Now, in a moment, we will be bringing on Wilton Jackson, our second-time guest from the PelicanDebrief.com. He's one of our contributing writers. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys a little bit about the week we've got coming up. In two days, uh, we're recording this on a Monday night, so this will debut Tuesday morning. On Wednesday morning, which will be the next day after you, I'm trying to figure this all out of my head, uh, we will have Mason Ginsberg of Bourbon Street Shots and True Hoop, a big thrill for me. I've been following his work for years, so really excited about that. And coming up in the future, we will continue our off-season watch over what the Pelicans will be doing with Drew Holiday and with uh, Alvin Gentry and Del Demps. Whenever we get any news, we will be sure to bring you guys a podcast immediately. But for now, we'll just follow the playoffs and talk to Wilton Jackson about what we can expect from the Pelicans going forward. You guys, it's time to phone a friend. And now we welcome onto the podcast Wilton Jackson of PelicanDebrief.com. How you doing, Wilton? I'm doing good, Preston. What about yourself? I am doing so well, man. I'm so excited about the offseason, the NBA playoffs. Are you watching any of the games? Yes, like it has been a great playoff so far. Um, I know yesterday like Cleveland put away Indiana, and that's going to be interesting to see what, you know, Paul George does that now that the Pacers are out of the playoffs. And me, honestly, personally, I really think it's time for him to leave Indiana because I don't want him to, you know, be a, a top-tier player who stays with a franchise only to, you know, not receive any benefits or ever compete on the highest level that he could. Definitely. This is the most exciting time of the year for me, whenever the star players really just spread out their wings, kind of like we saw last night when the Jazz went on this insane 19-5 and run. Joe Johnson was uh, showing his vintage form. Joe Ingles with some uh, nasty three-pointers at the end. Just uh, Rodney Hood showing himself. It was just a really, really fun contest, and I can't wait for the second round coming up soon. Like you said, the Cavaliers are already uh, waiting in line for whoever should be next. But let's get this going, Wilton. We are here to talk about the Pelicans offseason, and this might be the most important one yet in our brief 12-year history. The number one offseason story so far is Drew Holiday, but... There's there's this cloud looming over Holiday in the form of the Pelicans' front office. Of course, we're talking about Gentry and Dell Dems, but more so about Mickey Loomis and Tom Benson. Once again, the Pelicans are playing second fiddle to the New Orleans Saints, and we're spending an offseason waiting to hear something definitive from the front office about whether or not Dems and Gentry will be back Tell me your thoughts about this Pelican Saints office and this seeming lack of accountability from them. Well, honestly, when I look at when I look at them and, and Gentry and Demps, I just I look at it more from the Pelican side of things. And in terms of the team, I really feel like that this year, like you said, this is if this if this if any other years have not been important, this year is definitely important because you bring in you know, a top-tier player to now play with Anthony Davis. Okay, so you have one major part of your team together, but now it's like, okay, what's the next part? And obviously, you know, you know, the team needs shooters. Well, I feel like that, in my opinion, I would try to keep them together one more year to see if they could actually put the right pieces um, around Davis and Cousins to see what, you know, what kind of year they would have next year. But after next year, if they can't put the pieces together, I think you have to really consider um, removing Demps and um, Alvin's injury. Because my thing is, well, I guess you maybe have to consider removing 
um, Demps. But Alvin Gentry maybe could say, but I, I guess I still think that, you know, you have two of the best people um, at, forward, at forward and center on your team. And if you can't, you can't put the right shooters around them, I feel like it, it may be time for, you know, for the team to go in a different direction. Definitely, and the biggest decision is going to be Drew Holiday and how they afford to put shooters around Drew Holiday if they do decide to bring him back. Right now, they're a bit murky. They called him a priority, but they pretty much put the ball in his court, so you'd have to think that maybe they made him some kind of offer that his agent rebuffed. But as you were saying, we have to give Demps, Gentry, and Boogie Cousins one more year. Their fates are now inevitably tied together for the remainder of the season and should the Pelicans make the playoffs, and you'd have to believe that they will, you know, everybody right. will probably get extended and will live happily ever after. However, does it make sense to let a lame duck general manager dictate the fate of the Pelicans? Should they be, let's say, like five to ten games back of the eight seed in January? It's then going to be up to Dell Demps to decide whether or not to ride it out with DeMarcus Cousins or to try to trade him and get whatever you can for him. Should that be his decision to make at that point? Um, uh, I'm always a fan of the general managers are not playing the games the players are. So I personally, if they're eight games behind from, from the eighth spot in, in January, I think you would want, in my opinion, I think you would want to keep um, DeMarcus Cousins. But like I said, I'm not in the front office, so I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily tell you that. But I would definitely, if I was there, I would want to consider um, keeping him. I don't think that decision should just be made alone just, you know, by him. I think that should be something that, can, that should be considered um, by him and, you know, the coaching staff. Because that's you're talking about. You take away the Marcus Cousins, you're taking away, you know, whatever chances of actually probably making the playoffs next year away. Because right now we don't know if Drew Holiday is going to come back. We don't know um, what the team is going to look like next year. So we're we're talking about removing Cousins, even if they do get some of the right, you know, proper pieces that they need for for next season. You're still taking away a big chunk of what, of who your team is going down the stretch. And as we know, it, you know, and we saw this. Um, you know, during the final stretch of this season, that, you know, Cousins, when he was playing, he was, you know, he was definitely dominant. So, you know, the Pelicans will need him down the stretch. The Pelicans will definitely have an advantage next year. We'll be able to offer him $45 million more guaranteed than any other franchise. But you just have to worry at this point in his career, there's really no predicting what he can do. And it's really a, a tepid situation for me making that decision should it come forth. But hopefully we'll be in the playoff race at that point. We won't even be talking about this. Now, let's move on to Drew Holiday. He just won an NBA Community Cares Award. Uh, good for him. Seems like a great all-around guy was also dubbed the best defensive point guard in the NBA by Bleacher Report. But like I said, the Pelicans brass were a bit guarded when they addressed him during their season-ending press conference. You'd have to believe that Jason Glashan, his agent, told the Pelicans brass he won't sign ahead of the free agency period without the five-year, $176 million offer. And there's no way in heck you would think the Pelicans would offer that. Now, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Knicks, the 76ers are said to be interested what do you think happens here, Wilton? Well, honestly, like you said, he's not going to get – I don't think he's going to get five years, $176 million. I mean, now, granted, you know, we saw last um, offseason where, you know, trade people were getting max contracts. You know, me and you could probably go out there and get a, a max contract, you know, with the way things were going last year. But I will say that um, I feel like he's going to have to lower um, – I guess his salary for what he's asking for is when it comes to the Pelicans, at least. 
And while I think that he's important to the team, which he's very important, like when you look at it, you look at the Pelicans, um, Drew Holiday, I mean, they have him as a point guard, but when you look at the other players they have on the roster, like Crawford, Frazier, Holiday, each one more points, you know, in Pondexter, it's kind of like Drew Holiday is the only, I guess, real player that's really, like, making a strong impact. So will we need, will the Pelicans need to keep him? Yes. But I just really don't think that he's going to get $176 million. Now, maybe if he, you know, brought that down to maybe maybe less than 100 or maybe right at 100 maybe we can consider that. But $176 million over five years and, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. And then you have to think about Drew Holiday. He's, he was injured this year a couple times. So you have to consider that, too. Yeah, I think you have to offer him five years, $100 million, even if you do this off-guard position that Alvin Gentry's been doing at the end. But when I spoke to Jeff Duncan and Rick Stone a few days ago, one thing I never truly considered was, does Drew Holiday even like playing off-guard? He's never played that position in his career. And uh, in essence, Gentry took the ball away from Drew Holiday down the stretch and put it into the hands of Tim Frazier. And, you know, Drew Drew Holiday always seems like this mild-mannered, very quiet, easygoing, like, team player. But we don't know how that's affecting him. And that's going to make this whole situation very interesting going forward. Now, let's get to Boogie Cousins. We've got one year left of him. We gave two first-round picks for him. we got to keep this big guy. And by all accounts, it seems like he's happy and he's got a great relationship with Anthony Davis. One thing we haven't talked about what do you think his chances are of making the All NBA squad, first, second, or third team as a center? Um, I think it's great. Looking at some of his numbers, I mean, overall, and the first set of numbers is coming from just this entire season when he was still in Sacramento, and in combination with New Orleans, he had twenty-seven points, eleven rebounds, and just with New Orleans, he had twenty-four points, and he averaged um, twelve rebounds. When you think about that. And considering that New Orleans was really close to making the playoffs despite some, you know, late season losses and, you know, there were a couple games that he was injured, I really think that you have to respect the level of his game. Like being able to come from a team in Sacramento who was also fighting for, you know, that final eighth seed and his production there and then, you know, to translate it here after, you know, that slow start. You know, it's hard to go from one team to another and still put up the same numbers. Now, obviously, when we first saw him, saw him, with the Pelicans, he looked a little sluggish, you know, like he had to get adjusted to the team. But after he adjusted, you know, to, for him to still be able to put up those numbers in such a short amount of time, I mean, I think that speaks volumes, definitely speaks volumes to where he should be um, selected all-NBA. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting because you'd have to believe Rudy Gobert is going to be a candidate there, probably an yeah. all-defense or uh, defensive player of the year. You'd have to think uh, Marcus Gasol is going to be in the mix somehow. And then you've got uh, this interesting uh, collection of players like Carl Anthony Towns, DeAndre Jordan's yeah. been on there before, Hassan Whiteside put up great numbers. Not that he's probably a risk to take the position, but you never know. It's going to be interesting. If he should make the All-NBA team, I think that greatly improves the Pelicans' chances of holding on to him because they can give him that three-year max raise that uh, Russell Westbrook gave got from Oklahoma City last year, I believe. So that would be a real key factor to keeping him long-term. Let's keep moving. Talk about Dante Cunningham. The second half of this year, he really came on strong and improved his numbers. He's shooting 40% from three. Since the All-Star break, he was shooting 58% from the field, just really improving his overall game. He just turned 30 years old. He has a $3 million player option. 
Should he opt out? And if he does, how much do you think it costs the Pelicans to bring him back? Um, to be honest, I would really, I would be really interested to see how much more he might get from another team. Because while I, like I said, Dante Cunningham is a is a great player, and he um, definitely stepped up um, towards the end of the season. But one thing I would like to see how consistently can he do this um, starting next season. So in terms of seeing how if whether or not he opts out, he could opt out. But in my opinion, I don't feel like you know for his production, despite you know. Um, his prediction going up over the you know you know over the stretch of the season or the down stretch of the season. I don't necessarily think that he would get that much more from another team if he chooses to opt out. But if he did choose if he did choose to opt out, um, I, I still I, I still don't see the Pelicans having to spend that much more to bring him back. Yeah, it's definitely a small sample size on those three pointers. He's averaged less than three a year, and he really doesn't do a whole lot else uh, other than space the floor. He's very aggressive and active right. on defense, but he's not a great ball handler. He, he, he's more of a role player. Yeah, more of a role player, but um, it's definitely going to going to be intriguing to see his decision going forward because if nothing else if he does decide to leave that's an extra three million dollars in cap space that the pelicans might have to work with should drew holiday also walk away now let's talk about some free agent prospects uh we talked about sergio rodriguez as being an ideal fit ian clark Patty Mills should Drew Holiday walk. Derek Rose even was a name that I mentioned hilariously enough. Sean Livingston was somebody Rick Stone was really into. Sheldon Mack will definitely be available. Ty Lawson. Do you have your eyes on anybody, Wilton, and who would you like to see the Pelicans add? Well, definitely like that. Sean Livingston as uh, as a player for the Pelicans would be really good because he's, he's very versatile. When you look at him um, and his level of work that he does with the Warriors, like, coming off the bench. Like, he's, he's a point guard, but at the same time, he has the ability to essentially score at will. And he's a mismatch for a lot of teams across the NBA because of his height at the position. Because he can lead you in terms of, you know, potentially running your offense. At the same time, if he needs to score and, you know, give you a few buckets, um, you know, in terms of offensive production, he can do that. So that would be a um, – that would be actually – probably a very great fit for New Orleans. And then he already knows Alvin Gentry from when he was assistant coach with the Warriors. So they kind of have that relationship and bond already um, already kind of locked down to a degree. In terms of Patty Mills, I love Patty Mills' game um, and what he does with San Antonio. One thing about New Orleans, the point guards we have, when you look at them on the roster, like you know, Drew Holiday, Tim Frazier, um, Tim Frazier, he can score, but he's more of a facilitator. Drew Holiday, of course, he's going to score. He's going to do that. But Patty Mills is somebody that brings – instant offense and he like I said he can also um orchestrate the offense as well but one thing about him I don't know if you remember but that was the finals like when when um the Spurs needed a bucket like they needed huge buckets or instant offense Patty Mills was the guy and like he still plays to that high level and you know having him to either you know not necessarily start for the Pelicans if they were to get him. Maybe coming off the bench in those times where some, you know, where sometimes the Pelicans go in slumps in terms of offense production. Offense production, bringing in, um, bringing him in would be be good in terms of you know getting more offensive production. Definitely. And the risk with these guys is they really don't play a whole lot of minutes. Sean Livingston is averaging right. less than 22 minutes for his career. 
Uh, Patty Mills has never averaged more than 22 minutes. So, you know, giving them that that bigger workload, you don't know how it's going to affect them. Let's talk some some trade prospects. Uh, Rick Stone mentioned Matthew Delvadova. Of course, Michael McNamara has been on the Jeremy Lin train. Mario Hazonia is a dark horse uh, ad. He really hasn't been contributing anything in Orlando. Do you have any ideas for a sign and trade, like a Ricky Rubio type, somebody you would like to see uh, develop through that method of transaction? Um, not really, but one thing that is intriguing, um, I know I was looking at, uh, Delvadova and then also, um, Jeremy Lin. Now, when Jeremy Lin first came out, you know, everybody was on him, you know, his production of what he's doing, um, kind of looking at his game or even like a Delvadova, but these aren't players that I, I would, I guess, start in my starting lineup. These would be people that could come off the bench, um, to provide me some instant, um, offense, but, you know, and looking at the, the Pelicans roster, if they, you know, clear of some other players, these are some of the options that I feel like would be good in terms of uh, bringing that prediction that they so desperately need on offense. Definitely. Good stuff. All right, before we let you go, let's talk a little Summer League. Do you pay attention to the Summer League, and are you excited to watch uh, the, the development of Czech Diallo, Quinn Cook, and Axel Tupane? Yes, I'm actually very excited to watch the, you know, their growth. Very Excellent. Well, hopefully Check Diallo is supposed to put on a great deal of weight this offseason. He said he wanted to get up to 240, so it'll it'll be good to see the new and improved Carl Malone level of uh, or Kevin Garnett level of Check Diallo. He's such a it, it kind of reminds me of Anthony Davis in his early years, just how skinny he is, and it'll be real exciting to to watch him pack on some of that some of that muscle and really bang around the paint because right now he's like this great finesse. I love his shooting stroke, great rebounder, just needs to get a little bit dirtier in the paint there if he's going to put in any uh, small ball center minutes for our team. Let's talk D-League. Now you yourself are in Jackson, Mississippi, and some of the rumored landing spots for our new D-League team have been Biloxi uh, and Gulfport. Do you have an ideal landing spot? Where would you like the D-League team to ultimately land? Well, I, like you said, I'm a, I'm going to be biased and say if it comes, if the team comes to Jackson, that would be great because we, I mean, we've had some semi-pro teams before in the city, but um, I think if you bring a a D league, an NBA D league team to Jackson, Mississippi, I think that it would it would be good. But if it didn't end up in Jackson, I think other places could definitely, for sure, um, be choices would be Gulfport and Biloxi, and then also in terms of Louisiana, I think the um. I think the Baton Rouge area or Shreveport area wouldn't be as bad as opposed to like uh, Lafayette or Lake Charles. I think um, I think Baton Rouge would have a lot more to offer. Baton Rouge or Shreveport would have a lot more to offer um, as opposed to Lafayette or Lake Charles or Monroe. Well, I'm definitely not hoping for Shreveport because I will not be attending any of those games. That is entirely too far. <laughs> That's almost Arkansas at that point. I don't even really associate right. Shreveport as being a part of Louisiana, to be honest. I hope nobody from Shreveport is listening to this right now. But I, I don't, do you know how far of a drive it is to Shreveport? It's got to be like four or five hours. Well, you know, I'm in, I'm in graduate school at LSU, so um, that's like more southern um, Louisiana, so Shreveport is every bit of about three and a half, four hours. It's definitely um, further north. So when you think about the team, I, like I said, Baton Rouge is the capital city of Louisiana, and I really feel like um, if you put that team there, I'm always a fan of, of the, the capital cities 
in certain states can land like professional teams what that does in terms of generating money throughout the state and how that affects everything. So I think it would be a good fit. My first fit for Louisiana would definitely be Baton Rouge. If it came to Mississippi, uh, my bias choice would be Jackson, but if not, Jackson, go for it. Yeah, Jackson Gulfport seems like a really good landing spot in Mississippi, kind of tying those two franchises together, I think would be great for all involved. Okay, you guys, in case uh, you didn't hear what I mentioned earlier, this has been Wilton Jackson at Wilton Reports. Now, Wilton has an incredible resume. I'm looking at it right now on Twitter, uh, Wilton Reports. He spent time at the Louisiana High School Coaches Association, WAFB9 Sports, ESPNU, Sports Journalism Institute, Scripps Howard, uh, National Association of Black Journalists. Talk a bit about yourself, Wilton Jackson, and where we can see some of your work coming up this summer. Well, I'm still trying to, to develop myself as a journalist, so um, whether it's writing or doing broadcast work, I'll be finishing up some stories. Um, for the Louisiana High School Coaches Association. I'll also be doing some freelance work where I kind of go behind the scenes um, and talk to athletes and kind of get their stories on, you know, where they are and how they become, how they became the athletes that they are now. But that'll be something that I'm kind of doing on my own. And then also I'm just going to be um, finishing graduate school at LSU and, you know, potentially um, I'm just, well, actually looking at different jobs right now. And like I said, just still staying connected to sports, Louisiana sports, pretty much all sports. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Wilton. This is his second time on the program. We always love having you, and we're going to have some news coming up in this next six weeks once the offseason starts, and not to mention the uh, if the lottery ping pong ball should go our way, so we'll definitely need to have you back on soon. Yes, indeed. I look forward to it. Again, thank you so much to Wilton Jackson for being on the podcast. Now, to you guys, thank you so much. If you've already made it this far, do us one more favor. Share, retweet, subscribe, rate us on iTunes. Anything you can do to help really does so much for our pod and getting the word out. So we really appreciate you being here and spending some time with us. And like I said, we're going to reward you tomorrow. We're going to have Mason Ginsburg on the program. We're going to have Keith Smith of Real GM. And we'll continue bringing in Pelicans beat writers, as well as some friends from some other fan-sided sites. Some other experts will be on the program to discuss Drew Holiday and his uh, free agent suitors, shall we say. But for now, thank you guys. My name's Preston Ellis. Follow me at Preston Ellis. And let's go Pelicans! Pelicans!